Hey guys, welcome back to Talk To Me Sister podcast, season two. If you're new to the pod, we're twin sisters and a ton has happened since last season. I'm a cancer survivor. Kathy had my baby. The baby's here, happy and healthy. Yes, and we're advocates for women's health and we're going to cover a lot of topics this season. So thanks for following along. Welcome to Talk To Me Sister podcast. Kathy and I are here today. We're talking all about the fourth trimester, aka our postpartum journey. So it's funny because, you know, Kathy and I obviously are sisters and we're going through this postpartum journey together, but very different sides of it. Kathy's healing and pumping and recently weaning. And I am a new mom of a newborn and combating, you know, fatigue and schedule and baby stuff and all the things that come with being a new mom. So we're going to chat a little bit and talk a little bit about our story, but hopefully give you some good tips for all sorts of things, including feeding, pumping, combat fatigue, nutrition, supplements, things we helped with um, healing, recovery, all that stuff. So let's let's go. Let's dive in. Let's do it. We have been I still say dive in. I can't let's dive I can't in. unquit the word <laughs> dive in. I say all every every episode on season 1 I'm like, "Oh, I said it again." But <laughs> it's all right. I mean, we can't like what else is there? What else do you say? Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's, let's swim through. Let's get started. Okay. I don't let's know. Let's get started. Um, you know, we have talked a lot. Sarah and I talk like 19 times a day. So, yeah. we've talked a lot in, in this past six weeks about how we're glad we're splitting the job of the fourth trimester because I this is Kathy and I've mentioned in the past that the fourth tri- trimester has been so difficult for me I am one who really loves toddlers and not the baby stage and just mm-hmm. totally honest about that I and feel the same yeah and I think a lot of it has to do with your physical recovery along with balancing a baby so we will get to both of our experiences this time because it's unique yeah, so we're just going to go back and forth um, answering questions. But let's talk, let's, the biggest, let's start with the first par- postpartum topic, which is feeding. Your journey has been exclusively pumping. You decided to do that to balance your hormones um, and to do, I mean, obviously we're super grateful. I've actually gone through all your milk already. So it, it, goes, went, it goes so fast, but you feel good about it and you recently weaned. So let's hear from you, Kathy. Let's, Give some listeners some encouragement on exclusively pumping because whether you're a surrogate or not, some women have to exclusively pump and then bottle feed their baby. So let's hear from you about exclusively pumping and kind of your experience with like weaning recently. Yes. Um, I just have to, you know, shout out to all the women who do exclusively pump and also take care of a tiny child (laughs) because Mm -hmm. exclusively pumping is more than a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I did not have a crying baby at the other end of my pump. I can imagine that it would be so, it would just, um, just be so anxiety inducing if I was trying to figure out a pump and trying to make milk and also having a baby who was hungry. So I think that would be gosh, so difficult. I have not had to exclusively pump before. So it was, um, a learning curve and I actually got the hang of it really fast. But like I said, I don't have a small baby. So it helped a lot where like my job was to leave the hospital and come home and have that. And I do think it helped my mental health of like the, the 
journey not being ex- like immediately over the day he was born. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if we talked about this on the first episode, but the hardest part emotionally for me as a surrogate was that it was over yeah. <laughs> like in an instant. Like I, I said, like I cried to you and I was like, I just kind of miss him, you know? And I did. Which made us feel awful. Richard and I, yeah, we were like, oh no. I know. I know. And I, it was one of those days I just couldn't keep my emotions to myself. Yeah. Like I really tried to. That was like our biggest fear. Cause we're like, are we going to go through his whole life with Kathy feeling this like sadness like Mm -hmm. we're his parents we want to feel like we're his parents now yeah we were stepping into like our role as his parents so we were worried yeah and that only lasted a couple days like it was definitely my tired healing um hormone drop like day four or five yeah and sarah was like how are you and i like burst into tears i was like i'm really good she was like wait what's happening you know and i didn't miss him like he was my kid like i i didn't miss him like I felt like I would if I had a kid and then all of a sudden he went to live with you. Yeah, like it, it was, it was talk- not that it was like, it was yeah. that I was in charge of him for 10 months and thought about him every day for like two years of my life. And then all of a sudden I didn't have that anymore, you know? So pumping actually was something that was really helpful for me because I got to go home and kind of continue my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a full-time job. And so I just like shout out all the ladies who do it. And that was my baby. Yeah. I want to say something else about that. Cause we follow some surrogates that have done it like four times and they always say they're always a little sad at the end and some blues are to be expected because like you have this huge vital role in carrying this child for this family, carrying their child. And then it's like I feel like it's need you need to be needed, and when you're not needed anymore, it's like the sadness of it mm-hmm. ending. So I think that's per- important to say because a lot of people were like, "How was Kathy able to give you the baby?" And it's mm-hmm. like, well, her blues for a couple of days weren't because she felt like he was hers. Like I was taking right, not even close. Yeah, yeah. I actually was thrilled. I was so excited that he was there. I felt such a sense of like relief, but it was more of like me being a sentimental person. And this huge thing that we talked about for two yeah. years was, um, I like shocked that it was over already. Um, but you felt like pumping helped stabilize yeah, like some helped. of those hormones you were feeling drops. Yes. I felt like the, the pumping helped a lot. And, I, and again, it just gave me something to busy myself. So it wasn't just like, well, that was fun. And that's yeah. over, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, um, a couple things helped me. I saw the lactation consultant in the hospital and sh- I brought my pumps, like literally everyone. I had a handheld one. I had a spectra. I rented the one from the hospital. So I saw the lactation consultant. She fit them on me and made sure that I had the right, like cup size and all that stuff. Um, so that was really helpful. She gave me a lot of paperwork that was helpful, like to follow in a NICU pumping schedule. So I think moms who exclusively pump often have a baby in the hospital. And so that was helpful for me to follow that type of pumping schedule. That's good. Um, and then I had someone gift me a hands-free pump, the LV, and I loved it so much. It was a game changer. Um, and I had two pieces of pumping parts. So like I would store one piece, one set in the fridge and then I would use it again, and that helped a lot too. And then I would wash a set. So I wasn't washing pump parts like seven times a day. I was mm-hmm. washing them probably three times a day. Um, so I was either storing it in the fridge or using a clean set, and I think that helped a lot. Um, and really, I tried to stick to a schedule and, like, get a schedule and stick to it. So yeah. I started, like, seven times a day, and then I went down to 
five, six times a day. And then I went down to five and then I went down to four and it took me about six weeks. So my goal was to pump for a month and I made it six weeks and I just slowly started to cut back. Um, and mainly just that I felt like it was time, you yeah. know, to, to get back to like my Your, family and, yeah. and, and I think, with pumping, like you can't just go, you can't pump like once a day or twice a day. It's either like if I was pumping four times and then cut back, my boobs mm-hmm. would be like, I would like have to relieve it. So it was like either four times a day or I stopped. And so I decided it was time. I know. And I think that was good. And Richard had said when John Ryder was born, he was like, I love that Kathy is willing to pump for us, but I feel like we need to draw the line somewhere. So she's not feeling like she's always like indebted to like our family. Like we need to really step into like being able to like feed our son and care for our son. It was like a end of the journey thing, but yeah. And I do think I, I didn't feel any pressure from you guys too. Like I, I brought milk to you guys like once or twice a week. And I yeah. knew that if you didn't have any, you were okay with supplementing. And I feel like For if sure. there's a mom out there who is trying to pump that like the biggest relief for me was that I knew you guys were okay with supplementing. So I didn't feel pressure. Like I sat down and pumped for 15 minutes and whatever came out, came out, you yeah. know? So like, I think that would be helpful. Like for moms who or me and you talked about this. Like when I was pumping for Ruthie, mm-hmm. I would pump for 20 minutes and get like half an ounce. And I was like, I wish someone would have just told me to stop. Like it's not worth it's it. Not Supplementing worth your is okay. Yeah. So, so we can, yeah, this kind of ties into the formula thing because I was probably one of those moms. Like when Charlotte was born, I went back to work really early pumping. I hated. I was like doing it in the back room of the office, like washing parts in the like girls' bathroom sink and oh, corporate hated office. It. Hated it, it was like it was worse for my mental health. I was so depressed. It was like I was stressed out. And honestly, she had gotten the colostrum at the hospital, such good nutrients. We had breastfed for almost three months. I had some stored. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing what's best for my family and for my baby. So I think you and I are both advocates for like supplementing and formula when needed and doing what's best for mom's mental health. Yeah. Me and you talked about this recently that like one breast milk feeding is so beneficial for their gut and their brain. And like, even you, just the colostrum in the yes. hospital. Like I even thought, okay, I literally thought to myself, if Kathy delivers John Ryder and she's like, I'm done. Let's go back to my life. I don't want to pump. I'm like, if he can just have some colostrum, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Bobby, we've talked about that on Instagram. It's a great formula option. Honestly, our OB recommends Infamil, which is like that. You can literally buy that at Kroger. Mm-hmm. And it's it's modeled like breast milk. Um, St. Thomas, our hospital, gives that to babies in the nursery. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Instagram and things, there's just such a pressure on moms to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And then you see these, like, posts of women who are, like, crying when their baby's, like, one and a half and they're weaning. And it's, like, it makes other moms feel bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm here for the other moms to say it's okay. You're still a great mom. Your baby's still healthy. Mm-hmm. Getting some good nutrients. Yeah. And I think they're if you can it. give yourself your the permission to supplement what you can't make then it makes the experience more enjoyable for you and baby and also if you're less stressed you probably make more milk 100 percent happy mom happy baby that's right so that was my experience honestly weaning was much easier than i thought i just slowly cut back and then kind of went cold turkey and like did the whole like cabbage leaves on my boobs and all that i feel like you're cold turkey like i was so surprised i was worried the week you were weaning i was like she's gonna be so emotional like something's gonna go wrong but you were like bounced back to yourself. I was like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. You seemed like, I mean, maybe not in like 
yeah. behind closed doors. But Yeah, I did. I mean, I definitely had some hormonal shifts because my period started, too. That's right. Oh, so yeah. I had never had a cycle start this early, but of course I was like down to pumping only three times a day and my cycle started. So I definitely felt some hormonal days, but I did take some supplements that were helping. And so I'll shout those out. Um, I was still taking prenatal. So that's what I always recommend women take your prenatal when you're pumping or breastfeeding or postpartum at all. Honestly, if you have a period, you've heard me say this, if you're like, if you have a period at all. So if you're like 12 to, you know, whatever, 50, you probably need a prenatal because it's just like an extra vitamin. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was taking pink storks postpartum mood support supplement, and I'll link it in the show notes. And I think that really helped a lot too. That's good. Um, let's talk about vitamins and supplements for a second because um, also as a part of my journey and also Kathy's had two kids of her own. I have a daughter before John Ryder. So we're very well aware of the new mom. Like those first few weeks are just plain hard. Um, so you want to make sure that your mental health is still okay. Um, make sure my biggest thing and advice for those first couple weeks is just make sure you nourish yourself, take care of yourself. I think it's really easy, especially as a mom of two, just to pour everything into this newborn and your other child and like kind of forget to take care of yourself. So as far as supplements go, like you're, you might not be going outside as much. So like up the vitamin D, um, you might be like, like if you're me, honestly, I went like three weeks and I was like, have I gone outside? I'm still in the same sweats. I'm sad. And just to like walk in the sunlight, even if he was kind of like fussy, just put him in the stroller and get out or take the extra vitamin D supplement. What do you recommend for vitamin D if you're like literally inside for six weeks? I, I honestly know moms who like won't or are scared to like put the baby in the stroller and even go on a walk because oh, they're right. like feel so confined to like the schedule. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, so what would you say as far as like vitamin D supplements? Yes. So we love Seeking Health. We have their, you know, their ads on our podcast. So check out their website. They have a vitamin D3 plus K2 supplement. That's incredible. You can use our code. Um, Usually for pregnant women, I recommend 2,000 to 4,000 IUs a day. Please check with your doctor on that. If you have your blood test and you know it's lower than that, you Mm -hmm. can actually, you can go higher. So that would be something you would want to work with someone like one-on-one on, but yeah, it's if you're inside and it's, you're having a baby in the winter months. Yeah. What if you're like a postpartum mom in the winter months? Like you ain't going outside. Mm-mm. You want to go inside, get in your car, sit in the warm car and drive, like get out of your house and then take your vitamin D supplement. <laughs> like, and maybe an extra because some, I mean, you can take a good amount, right? You can. Yeah. I mean, um, again, it's person by person basis b- depending on like what their levels are, but most people de- are deficient and it has a lot to do. Vitamin D can help your immunity, but also help your uh, mental health. Um, I have clients who like will just take vitamin D in the winter months to help seasonal depression and mm-hmm. it can be very beneficial. Yeah. So if you're a new mom and you're kind of feeling bluesy or you haven't left the house and you feel like you're maybe your baby's hard and you're confined to that schedule, try the vitamin D. Kathy, as a nutritionist and a dietitian, Mm -hmm. what about in that fourth trimester? Like one, what foods have you been eating to kind of boost your healing and recovery? And what foods can postpartum moms do to maybe just help with their overall getting their like um, immunity back? So number one is that postpartum nutrition, postpartum healing happen. It, it, you can kind of prepare your body during pregnancy. So if you're listening to this, go back and listen to a, like our episode on the first trimester and our episode on 
the third trimester because on those we specifically talk about nutrients during pregnancy you can kind of prepare your body um but especially in postpartum you want to you want to um help your body heal and one of those is getting enough protein uh, because a lot of protein foods like your animal proteins um will have zinc and iron and both of those are really important for wound healing so whether you've had a cesarean or stitches um, you need your, your body is doing major healing and it takes a lot of building blocks like amino acids and protein. So those are really helpful. Collagen, um, from collagen supplement or bone broth can really help. Like, especially this time of year, like we're getting into cold season. So like stews and soups can have a lot of natural stuff in there. Um, and let's see, vitamin C can help wound healing as well, mainly because it helps your natural collagen production. So if you are someone who eats more of a plant-based diet, just making sure you're getting zinc and vitamin C, both of those can be met by a plant-based diet. You can overdose on zinc. Yes. So we've had that experience. <laughs> I think I had that experience. <laughs> well, it's because zinc like gets a lot of um, attention from like the COVID world. So. Okay. I'll have to say this old like two seconds. Yeah. I was right after John Ryder was born. I was like so afraid of COVID because I didn't want to give it to my family and I was taking way too much zinc, yeah. like way too much. My teeth got sensitive. I was having like dull headaches and a little bit of nausea. And I was like, I think I have zinc talk to talk- Toxicity. You can't say that word. Um, so that's like a, yeah, that's a thing. Um, so just watch your dosages. Yeah, for sure. That's why vitamins, we can't, we can't, we don't just want to like take handfuls and hope we're doing well. We want to like work with somebody who knows what they do. Um, but also, yeah. Everything in moderation. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing during postpartum recovery, but just even as a new mom, Sarah, it's like, like you said, eating and drinking enough. We Mm -hmm. are usually like, like one of the goals for moms is like, just prioritize your mealtime. Um, like you can't just, and I say this from personal experience too, like even as a dietitian, for like two years of my life, I just like grabbed a protein bar for lunch because that's literally all I had the mental energy for. So I I come to you with compassion and knowing that like, it's hard to do that. So it's so important if you, especially if you're pumping or nursing to like, you're spending so much energy doing that. Um, and so you want to make sure you're eating and drinking enough. And then this is a time too to like take it easy on yourself, uh, get a big stack of paper plates and, you know, make things easy. Like, quesadillas and Mm -hmm. you know like just things that are like you can do with one hand and eat with one hand because you're Mm -hmm. usually holding a baby with the other yeah I say prioritize meal times that was kind of one of the things where I said don't forget to feed yourself because I think that you know you're feeding the baby and then your four-year-old wants a snack and then your your family wants dinner and if you have multiple kids it's like you're gonna put yourself last because let's be honest the moms are the glue and a lot of times we're the meal preppers so Um, just making sure you nourish yourself, number one, um, and not being afraid to cut the corners. Like that's not like shameful to get paper plates or, um, ask for help, ask for people to bring you meals. I mean, that was like a godsend. I wish people were still bringing us meals. Can you blame me? I know. Bring me a meal. Um, order food out. Order food out. You can still eat healthy out. Yeah. That'd be a good podcast episode. That would. Yeah. And like make things like amplify what you're already doing. Like, if you're grabbing a, just a piece of toast in the morning, it's better than nothing. And then go, like, how can I amp that up? Okay, I'll throw a hard-boiled egg on it or throw a piece of mm-hmm. avocado on it. Boom. Right. It took five seconds, but you're going to be able to keep up with your family now. So those are things you can eat with one hand. Like, ideally, we're, like, having partners who are saying, what do you need to eat and drink today? Like, those are things that our partners can help us with, too. 
We are excited to have Seeking Health back as a sponsor for season two of the Talk to Me Sister podcast. If you want quality vitamins, you can use our code SISTERS2 for 10% off your next order. This exclusive coupon gets you 10% off your next order. That's SISTERS2. Visit SeekingHealth.com. going back to being a new mom of two. Yeah, do that. Mom of two family. And now a new family of four. Um, that was a tongue twister for some reason for me. Um, and that's that can be a huge adjustment. I was wondering that when John Ryder was born. You know, I think we've done really, really good. I'd kind of already prepped and I've watched you be a mom of two, Anna be a mom of three. So I kind of knew what to expect. And Richard and I were like, we did this with Charlotte. We were like, okay, what are our expectations the first month? And I always said, I'm like, everybody that has multiple children, they say it's all hands on deck. So we kind of had a game plan before John Ryder was born. I think this was really, this really helped us to be like, okay, let's just say you're going to do Charlotte's bath bath time. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. We're going to divide and conquer. And we setting expectations before the new baby was really helpful because I think a lot of times couples just don't talk about it. And then all of a sudden they have this new baby. Everybody's tired. No one has the mental capacity to you know, and you don't want to just like bark orders at your husband, but I feel like you, you will feel like you have more of like a partner and a teammate than feeling like you're just like gasping for air, you know, three weeks in when you're feeling like you're doing it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good advice. Um, I think I told you when we were talking about this, that for the first two weeks, especially if you're healing as well, mm-hmm. um, for the first two weeks, I don't think I changed Samson's diaper when he was little, like Alex changed his diaper and for two straight weeks. And I just, that's amazing. And I think if you can express that to your partner and say, listen, I'm in charge of input. So feeding and you're in charge of output, Uh like input output. It makes sense. And then they go back to like, my husband went back to work. And so of course things, you know, my full-time job became being a stay at home mom when he was little. And so of course, like expectation, you have to do another communication round of like, okay, well, this is what I expect when you get home from work. And I do think dad's jobs or whoever's the outside of the home parent, I think bath time is a great time for them to take over. And um, I also, when I Sam was little, I don't know if you guys have tried this, Sarah, like the meal kits were nice because I Yeah, like HelloFresh. Like HelloFresh or whatever. Um, This, yeah, (laughs) I was about to say, this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. I'm just kidding. We wish. But I like blue, I like HelloFresh better than Blue Apron. Yeah, I do too. Me personally. I like Home Chef. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, those were helpful because you have such decision fatigue in your mind. Like, you're like, I can't yes. think of one more thing. So we need to sign you up if you're not. But, we yeah. we should. I know sometimes I get the end of the day and I'm like, Richard's like, what's for dinner? I'm like, oh, what, are, what are, <laughs> yeah, cereal. Um, let me say one more thing about feeding that popped into my head. Because I have some people ask about like what we're doing. So I'm thinking like surrogate, you know, surrogate moms or, um, women that are adopting and maybe not breastfeeding might be listening. Um, we are giving John Ryder breast milk during the day and formula at night. We're not, we're like doing one or the other right now because we do have a ton of breast milk left Mm -hmm. in the freezer. Um, and people have asked me, does that make them fussy or is the transition hard? Surprisingly, no. I did not know how it was going to be or if he was going to feel fussy going like cold turkey to formula at night, but, um, it's been 100% fine. And because 
he has formula at night, it gives us like an extra hour stretch because they go more like four hour stretches when they have formula. So it's kind of been nice. Um, and yes, he's done really well with both. That's great advice. Are you guys following? I think people probably want to know this um, because I feel like it's always like when they're little, you're kind of just like trying to survive. Yeah. Have you like started a s- schedule yet? How often is he eating? How much is he eating? Like just briefly, because that's yes. always helpful to hear what other people are doing in those like newborn weeks. Okay. So he's seven weeks old or eight weeks old to this mm-hmm. week. Okay. Yeah. So what's your schedule seven. like? Yeah. So I guess if new moms are listening, um, I live and die by Moms on Call. You can get the book on Amazon or download the app. Um, Another great resource is BabyWise, and they have great schedules in the back of their book too. I live and die by a schedule because I did that with Charlotte, and she started sleeping through the night at like 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, He, it's funny, he's a good sleeper, but he doesn't sleep long. Like he sticks to my schedule. He sticks to the schedule, and that's really helpful, but he's not like a long sleeper. Like Charlotte would take two-hour naps during the day. He takes, like, maybe 40-minute naps. Um, But every baby's different. And I think that once you realize every baby's different and don't get frustrated if they don't stick to a perfect schedule that you've read in the book, that's okay. You kind of just have to do what's best for you and the baby. Um, But he's seven weeks now, and he's eating about six ounces. Um, Per per feeding. Per feeding. But it's funny. I I got... It's been four years since I had a newborn, so I was getting worried when he wasn't eating the full, like, five ounces, six ounces that the schedule said. And my pediatrician said something really perfect. He was like, well, think about you. Do you eat the same amount at every sitting, at every meal? Sometimes you're really hungry. Sometimes you're not. So same with your baby. And sometimes your baby's going to eat a ton and finish the entire bottle Sometimes he's going to eat a little. So it's not, as long as the baby is peeing and pooping normally, your baby's happy. And if he's crying, he might be hungry and you can think about supplementing. But yeah, I am a full believer in a schedule. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. I like that. And so he's eating like six ounces every like three or four hours or less than that? Yeah, every three or four hours is is normal. Okay. And I do because you said like you've had friends too who are like afraid to leave the house because their schedule. So like yeah. there's a middle ground, right? Like yeah. how do you adjust to like – I feel like the, if I remember, like I feel like the second I got comfortable in a – schedule your kid would like to have a leap or change or something like that 100 what's that what's that leap uh wonder 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 what's it called uh that leap, leap app that tells oh. you if your baby's in a growth spurt well that i think that's mom's on call because it'll tell you know. oh i don't know oh we'll put it in the show notes we'll put um, it in the show I, it's notes it's been clearly so long since i've um, done baby it baby wise will also tell you that too okay um yeah. But yeah, a lot of babies go through leaps. Like I, I noticed, like, I guess it was maybe last week or the week before that he was, he was hungrier quicker and he was going through a little bit of a growth spurt. And so I think you just need, I think once you understand, start to like read and understand your baby more, you won't get as frustrated. Like if I'm like, oh, he's going through a leap or he's going through a growth spurt. Okay. He might be a little bit more fussy. He might be hungrier earlier. Um, so yeah, I think that those resources are really helpful for new moms that just need some guidelines. It helps you not feel so crazy. Okay, it's called the Wonder Weeks. Oh, the Wonder Weeks. Oh my gosh, I forgot and about the Wonder I, Weeks. I remember when Ruthie was little, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then I would look at my Wonder Weeks and I'd go, oh, you put in like the baby's 
birth date and it tells you when they're expected to have a leap or when they're doing major growth or when they're going to get over their fussy phase. And it just helps you see like a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like when you're tired, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be tired for the rest of my life. And then you look at these apps and you're like, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to have a couple sunny days and I'm just going to cling to that, you know? Um, okay, Sarah, tell us like your piece of advice, like for new moms, especially those who are just super tired and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I think, I mean, this sounds cliche, but just know when to raise your hand and ask for help. There is no shame in saying, Hey, my immune system, I'm struggling. I am at the brink of, you know, crumbling. You know, as a new mom, you're not, you're not getting any restorative sleep. You're waking up every two to three hours. Like, let's be honest, your body is, I mean, if you're a new mom, you're, you have a little bit of those like hormonal endorphins. And it's funny on my side of things, I didn't deliver the baby. So it's like, I don't have some of those like hormonal endorphins. Mm. And so for like adoptive parents and people like, like give yourself grace, like your body might just be run down and that's okay. And just know when to raise your hand to say, Hey, can you come over and sit with my baby for a second where I take like a, just a really good power nap. I think that's fine. Also, like we've said this a million times in the podcast already, remember to nourish yourself, um, educate yourself on your baby, the weeks they are in, in the schedule, because babies change weeks by week and their needs and their, um, their amount of formula or breast milk that they need changes every week. And so if you're not up to date on the schedule and your, their needs and they're more fussy, they might just be hungry. Yeah. You know, because they 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 changed their ounces so quickly that we looked back at I think it was two weeks ago. We looked back at the mom's on call and we're like, man, he's so fussy. And we're like, oh, wait, I think he's just hungry. Look, look, look at the schedule. He's actually supposed to eat like two more ounces at each sitting. And it's like you get you're so tired. You're like, I can't even read right now. But it's just I think um, this is a long answer. But yeah, well, I'm so interested to um between like this experience for me made me realize how much the exhaustion part Mm -hmm. of being a new mom plays into the like lack of healing and recovery because like I feel like I healed so fast literally two weeks after he was born I went to like a party I know I played beer pong wait can I just say yeah I was like so tired I was like my bags under my eyes Kathy was like sending me pictures she was like whoa I was like I go I'm sorry is this a picture of you playing beer pong (laughs) Like, I literally, like, people were like, did you, you had maybe two weeks ago? And I was like, I did, but it also, like, blew my mind. I was like, I'm doing so well. It's insane. Like, it blew my mind because, like, it took me, like, eight months to leave the house without dripping milk when I had Sam. But, like, so, so Mm -hmm. much of it has to do with the fatigue. So, like, you are in it, Sarah. Like, Well, that's why we said at the beginning of, or I guess it was right after you delivered and when we were talking about how we're on both sides of postpartum, Mm -hmm. we're like... I feel like this should be a pact with women. Like you have my baby mm-hmm. and then we'll switch and I'll have your baby. So like yeah. not one, one woman <laughs> has to do both. You know? I know. I mean, the moral of the story is like, you can't, you're, you physically can't heal without sleeping, but you can't sleep when you have a small baby. So you yes. have to find time to sleep. You have to find time to rest. You have to find time to put your feet up and rest your body. And I think that would help your physical recovery, but also your mental health as well. Yeah. And I was remembering about the crying. You were like, John Ryder was like crying. And 
Uh, I had someone tell me this. It was like a friend. And you have to remind yourself when you have a small baby that crying is their communication. Mm -hmm. And she told me, she was like, I mean, your baby could like have an eyelash in their eye. They're not upset. (laughs) They're not hungry. They're not tired. They just like, that's their only way to communicate. And I remember it like took pressure off me, like trying to figure out why they were crying every time. I got to say this because this is important. It's about the crying. So Usually, if you're not new mom listening, or if you're a mom that hasn't been in the newborn phase a while, um, the five, the four thirty, five thirty, six o'clock hour, everybody calls it the witching hour. For some reason, it's babies are like the fussiest, and wouldn't you know that's like, like gonna happen because it's like when you're trying to sit down for dinner, but it always seems like it's the fussy hour. Well, I read recently that this is okay that your baby as a newborn is fussy at this hour because it's a way they release energy because think about it they can't walk they can't talk they can't release energy and if they're sleeping all day I mean on and off throughout the day like as they get older they might have some like pent-up energy so it was like saying don't don't let it I think when your baby cries you ought to I mean even for me like I get anxiety I'm like oh my goodness why but it might be a good thing. They might just be releasing energy and babies cry. So, yeah. And doesn't that crying, like I remember it, it's like purple cry. It's called like purple cry. It's not necessarily yeah. colic. It's just like that time of the it's day. It's just like fussy. Fussiness. And I think it tends to improve around six to eight weeks. So, like, I feel like if you can get through the first six to eight weeks of like eight. N- newbornness, yeah. then it improves. I mean, every baby is different, but I remember like reading that. Yeah, yeah. You know, eight- how- Accurate. Eight to ten weeks, you kind of get over that hump a little bit. Okay, last thing, fourth trimester question, Kathy. Okay. We didn't really, we haven't really covered like blues or postpartum depression. Like I had a little bluesy with Charlotte. You had a lot of blues with Samson. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything for women listening that they can do for balancing their hormones besides pumping and breastfeeding? And any supplements or things that you can do to help with maybe postpartum depression or blues? Yes. So I did mention um, the pink stork, uh, the pink stork, oh my gosh, mood support. Mood support. That supplement has milk thistle and some other things in it that I think when combined together, like super powerful. Um, and CBD is a great one. I think that has, that was the only thing that helped me with my postpartum anxiety after I had Samson. And then of course, like reaching out to your provider, there's always a time and place for pharmaceuticals and medication. And I think when you're exhausted and you really just need, um, you know, more than CBD or some herbs, like there's a time and place for that, but sunshine, vitamin D sleep is just the biggest thing. And so if your partner can like, I remember Alex used to take like 8 PM to 12 and then I would sleep and then I would wake up and do the, you know, middle of the night. And that routine really helped a lot because I'm kind of like not a night owl and he is. So you have to ask for help, seek Um, help from your provider if you need additional support and we can do a whole nother like hormone balancing episode Mm -hmm. um because you know it's there's it's a very complex thing and it tends to be person to person um sometimes even for the energy thing and the hormone thing it's actually balancing your blood sugar which is why eating often can help because if your blood sugar isn't balanced of course you're going to drop and you're going to have a blood sugar low and then that's going to feel like fatigue blood sugar highs can mess with your hormones. And so also just making sure you're eating consistently, drinking water, not 
drinking a ton of sugary drinks to stay awake. Mm -hmm. Like those things can help. Not just drinking coffee. Not just drinking coffee, drinking water, which actually dehydrates you. Yeah. So hormones. I think we'll have to do another one, but I really do think the the anxiety part. I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of like. kind of just like intrusive thoughts that's anxiety so like you you like picture yourself falling down the stairs with your baby or you picture yourself um like forgetting to put the car seat in the car like those that's that's actually postpartum depression and anxiety no one told me that I feel like that's also like mom anxiety like I had that when Charlotte was like one have you do you have that now with John Ryder like as a actually no I don't have that with John Ryder but I I had it with Charlotte really bad, and I had it until she was, like, three. So, I, I mean, I wonder if um, – we'll have to do an update because I wonder if this comes in with John Ryder. Just, like – because I am I have that now with my kids, and I feel like it's a hormonal m- mom postpartum anxiety, anxiety depression thing because all of a sudden like – mom anxiety, like – I, it is, but just, I, it is, but it's like, it's often, we often think that's just part of it and we shouldn't have those thoughts. We shouldn't just be like having these thoughts that keep us up at night and it's part of motherhood. No, like we need to work through these. And I think part of it is postpartum and part of it is motherhood, but also like those are intrusive, terrible things. Like I shouldn't replay the image of my son accidentally getting hit by a car over and over again. That's anxiety. So if you're having those, those are things to talk to your provider about. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think that's like something that no one wants to say out loud, Yeah, but it's like, I feel like it's really common. Okay. Going back to just mom's mental health. Um, I wanted to share because I think sometimes as moms, we don't like to ask for help or we think that it's like, a bad thing that we can't do it on our own, but some moms that are suffering from postpartum depression or lack of sleep or just really struggling themselves, I don't think it's uh, shameful to like, you know, reach out to a night nurse or say like, I need some help. I need a night nurse for one week to just get myself back to myself. So if you're local to Nashville, um, nashvillenightnurses.com is an amazing resource. They have five stars. I have a lot of friends that have used them. Their email is nashvillenightnurses at gmail.com. They have an Instagram, a Facebook, and you can hashtag nashvillenightnurses. They are incredible women. Um, Nurses, so they're certified nurses with 30 plus years experience. They're incredible. They'll come to your house and that's a good local resource. And if you need it, do it. So this is a lot. And I I know some of it's difficult, especially if you're looking and preparing for postpartum. You're like, oh, my God, this is a lot of stuff. So I hope this was, like, encouraging, gave you some tips of advice and some solidarity. You got this. If we can do this, anybody can do this. And also the newborn phase is so sweet and so joyful and just snuggles. And you just you're on that, like, new mom high. So you can do it. And we hope this was encouraging and we didn't, we were like, but I think we gave some (laughs) helpful resources, but I think it's good to just say being a new mom is hard and that doesn't mean it's not great. And that doesn't mean you don't love your baby. Yeah. But that's why we wanted to do this episode to just hopefully give some good pointers and tips and let you know a little bit about our personal journey because everybody's been asking about Kathy and the baby and me and Richard and everything so yeah and I do feel like every time I had a baby there were more resources and more tools and more ways to get support and it got easier and easier so uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon with lots of other topics 
Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Also, make sure to check out our Amazon store. Thank you.